Welcome to Money and Mocha. I'm Latrice Hopkins. I'm Rita Miller. I'm Alyssa Johnston. And we're the Good Life Money Coaches. Today's topic we're going to discuss is about housing, renting versus owning. It is a hot topic today with the market being at a full buyer or seller's market earlier this year, and now it has slowed down tremendously. So it's a a housing roller coaster this year. So what are you ladies thinking about? Um, what's your opinion about what's going on in the market? Well, I think it's really interesting. I was reading an article this weekend. So we know rates for mortgages are way up from what they've been over the last few years. But I also read that at the same time, rents keep going up. So it's putting people between a rock and a hard place. You know, on one hand, if they want to buy, interest rates are higher than, especially if you're a millennial or um, Gen Z, higher than they've ever seen in their lifetimes. Um, but at the flip side, the rents are so expensive, it's become unaffordable. So Rita, I'd love to piggyback off of something you just said. Um, when you talked about interest rates being higher than, you know, Gen Z or millennials have ever seen. I get that. I, I don't remember paying attention to interest rates a long, long time ago, probably because they were really low when I bought my first house. And to me, we just bought again and the interest rates are really high. And yet I hear in, in real estate circles from, from people who are, you know, baby boomers going, Hey guys, it, you know, historically speaking, interest rates are really not that bad. You know, think back to the 70s when interest rates, you know, we bought our first houses and interest rates were 16 and 17%. Um, but it, for me, I have a hard time with that logic because interest rates don't exist in a vacuum. Hmm. Interest rates impact, you know, the, the amount of money it costs to, what it costs me monthly to borrow money um, is not independent of the price of the home that I purchase, how much food costs these days, how much fuel costs these days, how much inflation is taking out of my discretionary and non-discretionary spending. I have a really hard time with that whole argument about, well, interest rates, historically speaking, really aren't that bad. What do you guys think? Well, I think I they're terrible. Um, and, and it's all because of the um breadth of time that I've been in the market, right? So I can't speak to, you know, what the maybe the people that are saying 16% isn't that bad. Well, in in my buying lifespan, it's horrible. And it it puts a limit on the people that are either in my space or, you know, as clients who you know, when they first came on board, part of their goal was, hey, I'm saving to try to, you know, pay off debt so that I can have a down payment. And now their timeline is prolonged mm -hmm. because either the amount of house they can buy now has decreased so significantly, it puts them in a non-desirable area. It puts a, a, a hold on, you know, their dreams of those who aren't already placed in a home. You know what I mean? What about you, Rita? Well, as the older of us three, <laughs> I can tell you I've experienced all of this. And 
I grew up uh, when I was in high school. That's when inflation was high and rates were ridiculously high and people were paying that 16, 17, 18%. Um, so it was a significantly difficult time. Um, economy was not good. Um, we also had high unemployment at the time. So it's a little different than it is today. So we've got the rates that are similar. We've got high inflation. But back then, we also had just um, devastating unemployment. So, you know, the economy itself was actually much, much worse. Um, and so when I bought my first house in the 80s, inflation was down and interest rates were down, but they were still relatively high. Um, but again, it's kind of what you get used to because we had seen those high rates. That went, So when I went to get a first house, we actually bought on land contract, which virtually nobody does that anymore. But at the time, that was the way you got the prevailing good interest rate of 11%. So all land contracts were 11%. And when you got a seller to agree to do that, you felt like you won the lottery <laughs> to be able to get that rate. You know, I think now we know that land contract is very risky, not the best way to go. But at the time, it was great. But again, 11% seemed great because we had seen such high numbers. And so mm -hmm. today, even though the high interest rates are seriously affecting people and their ability to buy, um, it's also because we've gotten really used to over the last 10 years, five, 10 years especially, um, the rates being so low. And when you look at the last couple of years, you know, with COVID and governmental help and driving interest rates down, it's just shocking to the system to have to pay 8% for a mortgage. When I actually had a client this past year who refinanced just less than a year ago, 1.99%. And so that differential is just enormous. You know, you start talking about almost doubling the monthly payment and creating this unaffordability for so many people. Absolutely. And the unaffordability, like you mentioned earlier is it's on both sides of the spectrum, unaffordability to buy a home because of interest rates and what they're going to make the mortgage payment, unaffordability to rent because rents keep going up. In my mind, the question of rent versus buy, because everything is expensive right now, it really comes down to the potential buyer's financial position to be mm -hmm. successful as a homeowner. We talk a lot to our clients who are not homeowners, but aspire to be homeowners. We help them see the flip side of renting when, when there's a mindset challenge. When something breaks in the house that you rent, that is the landlord's problem. It is a property manager's problem. It is not your pocketbook's problem. So we, we focus a lot on preparedness to be a homeowner. And, and and let that be one of the guiding um, decision makers. Yeah. You bring up a really great point um, because so often, and I'm sure it happens to both of you, I meet with somebody um, or they are an existing client and they're asking, should I buy? And they say, you know, my rent is $1,300 a month. If I get a mortgage, it'll be $1,250 a month. Why wouldn't I buy a house? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the answer is, all those expenses and the maintenance. Um, it is not an apples to apples comparison between rent and a mortgage payment. And too many people find that out once they get into the mortgage, um, when they realize they have to, 
you know, even just decorating and purchasing the curtains and mm -hmm. uh, buying salt for a softener, uh, if they have that in their system and mowing the lawn. Now they have to go buy a lawnmower and they have to buy a weed trimmer. <laughs> and oh, they're going to do a garden. So now they have to buy shovels and a wheelbarrow. I mean, even little things like that, let alone fixing a hot water heater or a roof. Right. Right. So is that part of the modeling that you do, um, that you both do with your coaching? Um, do you have like a laundry list of, hey, if you're going to buy, these are the things that you also have to consider um, from a cost perspective when you're comparing? It's definitely a conversation that we have with clients who are feeling anxious about how long it's taken to get in a home, pressure to get in one faster and it's really destroying their financial their their financial peace thinking if we don't get in now we're going to miss it so we have those conversations we we will do what if drills to help them see that buying a home without having the financial safety nets in place that home is no longer a blessing it can become a nightmare absolutely um and that's what I focus on when I talk to people is going through those what if scenarios, um, because often they haven't thought it through about mm -hmm. what it's really going to take. Um, and it, I want my clients to have their best financial life, right? So I want to protect them, so to speak, or at least have them go into it fully aware. And that's why it's so important to have the a significant emergency fund. You know, we talk three to six months, usually six months is better to have that cushion in case anything happens um, and to be fully prepared for the amount of money they're going to spend. Uh, I know we've talked about this in the past. It's also not just about getting the mortgage and making the monthly payments. When you buy a house, the closing costs are significant. Mm -hmm. um, and people tend to us under, excuse me, they tend to underestimate how much that is. Um, and then if you're moving, you know, it's okay, maybe you can just rent a U-Haul with a bunch of friends. That's not free either. But the reality is uh, the logistics and the cost of moving can be very significant. And if you don't have that margin when you're going into buying the home, um, it's devastating right up front, even before you move into the house. Uh, I mean, mm -hmm. Alyssa, you just recently moved. Yes, we did. And you were hitting everything, Rita. From And because we did a lot of the move ourselves, we ended up paying for two months of storage because we had a lot of stuff. It was two storage units times two months. Then the U-Haul. Then we needed people to help us with the heavy stuff. I'm not moving heavy stuff anymore. There was a time when I moved heavy stuff. That time is not now. That time has passed. <laughs> so we had... We had people, we had friends help us and we paid them. And then when we moved into the house, we had a professional moving company come out because this house has two stories and there was no way we were getting the heavy stuff upstairs. And all of the little things, I'd forgotten how incredibly expensive it is to move. Mm -hmm. Some things are discretionary and some things are absolutely necessary. Either way, it's a lot of outflow that I had forgotten about. I wasn't used to. And you definitely need a, a we created a home fund, to be quite honest, because it is expensive. A special saving account just where our monies would go to support the move. And it helped us kind of plan out 
all of our expenses, um, see where the drawdowns were going to happen, when we were going to replenish it, how much would be in there for the start of the next month. It's it's no joke. Moving is moving is expensive. And what what breaks my heart is seeing a lot of chatter on social media about how much how sexier it is, how much more savvy it is to buy a home instead of paying your rent money and having your rent money, you know, pay down somebody else's mortgage. That's it's such a surface level way of looking at things and doesn't address any of the um, really important topics like making sure that there are all those financial safety nets in place for the move for a well going dry the day after you close. That happened to us. You know what? It, I'm wow. sorry. The well didn't go dry. The well pump broke. Well pumps are expensive. That is not discretionary. That's a necessity. And I think it's such, it's so, it breaks my heart to see people feel like they're not financially savvy because they're paying rent when really it may be the smartest thing for people who are still creating an emergency fund. Absolutely. And that's part of the, um, the strategy part, I would say of coaching and the, um, it's not a one size fit all um, kind of thing. It's it's why we go into the details of everybody's specific situation so that we can answer questions according to their lifestyle, according to what their goals are, according to what is important to them. And it's not um, an equation that you can throw everybody into and the answer comes out um, the same um, for everyone. Um, one of the things that people also don't consider is the variables of um, insurance and property taxes. Um, you know, as inflation is going up on everything, everybody's raising their prices on stuff. When it's time for um, the renewal of all of these policies, every time I get one, the bill is higher. So, and that's calculated into your mortgage payment if if you're in escrow or however you do it. If you have that fund, it's it's another expense that um, a lot of times people are only presented what the principal and interest payment is, and not what the full um, the full picture. So, those are really good points. Um... A lot of people who have never owned a home don't realize how much homeowners insurance actually costs. Yes. And during this inflationary period for housing over the last few years, as our housing values have gone up, um, some houses have almost doubled in value over the last five to six years, that you need to keep up with that with your homeowners insurance in order mm -hmm. so that if something happens, it will replace your home. And so a lot of people are also even underinsured on their homeowners, but that's kind of a topic for another day. Um, but but it still goes people. into the, the home ownership, you know, yeah. conversation. That is one of the things that people don't consider unless they talk to someone, mm -hmm. you know, who can give them all the ins and outs. Yeah. And property taxes. Uh, we live, uh, two of us are in Michigan and Michigan is a high property tax state. And, but it varies. It varies so much between Every village, every township, every city, everybody has a different level of property taxes. And that's something else that, you know, I'm always talking to people about is if you're looking to buy, you've got to look at that property tax cost because in some areas, even in Michigan, you know, I'm not talking New York City or anything, 
you could end up easily with current housing prices spending a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a month just on property taxes. Yes. And one of the other tricks that I think we've come to learn when we were looking for our home, we bought um it's been about 18 years ago. And we were going into different regions in our county, right? And our only focus on was on the cost of the, the actual home. We didn't even consider all of the other things because we would have moved to our ideal area had we known all of the things that went into it. Because in the end, we would have gotten a better school system. We would not have had to deal with, you know, the water crises. All of the things that have added to being in the area that we're in would have been a wash had we moved to the original place that we area that we wanted to live in, but we only considered homeowner costs, not property taxes, not school systems, not cost of utilities, not cost of insurance, because some areas in um, Michigan have higher auto rates because of zip codes. So it's it's a whole big picture that goes into the home ownership equation that a lot of people don't realize until you've already made a decision, um, but experience sometimes will be the teacher in those cases. And so really kind of the key in all of this is, is being financially prepared mm -hmm. and having that stability and security having your finances in good shape and being intentional with your money, having these processes in place, you know, yeah. that you budget, you know what your money is doing, you know what your money can do going forward if you make a purchase um, and you're prepared for what's going to happen. Homeownership is wonderful. I don't want to make it sound terrible. It's wonderful. Um, but the reality is uh, there's a lot that you need to be prepared for um, and it will cost cost. It is, again, not a even comparison with rent. You can't just look at the uh, the net bottom line uh, for the monthly costs. There's just so much more than that. Um, and encouraging people to be patient. Even though rates are fluctuating, house prices are fluctuating, it's more important to wait and be financially prepared. Like Alyssa, you said, so homeownership will be an absolute blessing to you and your family. That's the bottom line. I think that absolutely sums it up. Um, that's it for me on that topic. Anybody else have anything to add? I think the only thing I would add is it's interesting as I'm getting older and I've owned many houses over the years, I am seriously considering the idea of renting as I move into retirement. And we could talk about that another time, how that can actually be beneficial later in life in the right circumstances as well. Oh, well, cases we're doing alibis. I've got one. So another thought on this topic before we wrap it up, Latrice, something you said made me think about it. And Rita, it kind of ties into what you're talking about too. With a mortgage, people have the ability to control their monthly, you know, the cost of the roof over their head, just the roof. Renting, the cost can fluctuate. One lesson I learned really, really early. So this is only the second house I've owned. My first house I bought back, I don't know, it was 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. And location really matters. When, but I, I knew that, but I didn't know it for the right reasons. I knew it for the wrong reasons. 
it is one thing to rent in a town that has less than desirable school districts. It is an entirely other thing to buy in a town that has less desirable school districts. Mm -hmm. And when I was thinking about location and how it matters, I was thinking about it from my point of view. I don't have any kids, don't need a good school district. And we got a lot more house living in a less desirable town in a less desirable school district than a lot of my coworkers who lived in the surrounding towns. I didn't have to commute to work. I was right next door to work. I got plenty of house. It was super affordable. But when it came time for us to sell, I was sweating it a little bit. I was getting a little bit nervous. Um, and But when you rent in a place like that to sit, when you rent in a less desirable town to or a less desirable school district to save money, you're not losing anything. If that if that doesn't you know impact your family, doesn't impact your kids, that's great. You're paying less for the roof over your head, but you're not locked into a financial investment. It makes a huge, location makes a huge difference on like the micro level for the individual and on the macro level for everybody else who might be buying the home when it's time for you to leave. Absolutely. That's a really good point. It is. Uh, yeah, when you're renting, when it's time to leave, you just walk away. Absolutely. So the landlord to re-rent re uh, re or release the house. Um, so in your case, you know, when you bought, or I guess with anyone buying a house, it's a series of trade-offs. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole thing ends up becoming compromise. You know, at that point, you valued you you uh, you valued the commute, which was little to none, um, and the price of the home. And the trade-off was later on, maybe not necessarily a desirable house to sell or for someone to buy. Um, and so, I think that's another really key component. Again, more things we could talk about. Just the whole thing in buying a house is a lot of trade-offs. We really want a fireplace and we really want a swimming pool, but if we want it in this town, we can't afford it. Yeah, it is trade-offs and time frames. It's about mm -hmm. having the patience before the purchase and the wisdom to look at life after the purchase to the next transaction. Absolutely. Great points, everybody. Well, that wraps up another episode of um mocha and money with the good life money coaches we'll see you next time see you next time bye everybody bye-bye